Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Nintendo Fanboys. Say hello, Steven. No? Not there? Ahmed? What about you? Say hello. Nothing. Well, it looks like it's just me and you today. Well... Everybody got really busy this week. We didn't really have much time to coordinate anything, so I didn't even get a chance to ask Ahmed for, uh, for, for his availabilities or anything. This was the only chance I had to do the podcast. And Steven, uh, what was it? Yesterday or the day before, he said same deal sort of thing, like his only free time was going to be at this specific evening, which I couldn't make. So we like to make sure you guys have a podcast. So, well, you're just going to have to put up with me today. I'm sorry. Hopefully uh, next episode we'll be able to get the gang back together. So Stephen put together the podcast and I fixed a few things because his information, as always, is completely wrong. So hopefully we have ourselves a fairly decent show for you today. So first things first, I want to let you guys know that... As always, you can find our podcasts on iTunes and other streaming services. And of course, we always post these on YouTube. So typically what happens is we'll post on iTunes and elsewhere um, as soon as it's available, as soon as the podcast is available. And then we'll uh, post this particular podcast, either Fanboys, Canadian Gamers, or Nintendo Fanboys, every second Sunday. And we've been doing this for months now, so have no plans on stopping anytime soon unless, you know, we just absolutely cannot get together. So that's that. In terms of the content schedule for YouTube, you're going to see, again, a lot of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven stuff. I have not had a chance to go back and record more episodes of Secret of Mana, but I am going to. And what I'm most likely going to do is actually convert it over to the English one fairly soon. So I'll probably play like another two or three hours alone. And then I'll I'll try and link it up so that the video that you guys saw at the last Let's Play will just continue on into uh, the next one. But it'll suddenly be in English. And the only reason I'm going to do that is just to make it a little bit easier for myself, pretty much. And that's uh, that's that. Uh, so yeah, a lot of Dragon Quest Eleven content still going with the Dragon Quest Ten videos and Retro Wednesday and Saturn Day. So all the usual stuff. And that's actually all I've been playing is Dragon Quest Eleven. That's pretty much the only thing I've been able to play. Just haven't had much free time at all. So if you'd like to follow along with that particular series, by all means hit up Twitch because Twitch is where it's up to date. YouTube, I'm I'm pretty much releasing the videos on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. Uh, starting, I believe it's this week or next week, I'll be starting that. Um, there's only going to be four episodes of Let's Play Secret of Mana until, like I said, probably until like two or three weeks when I have more time to go back and um, and just keep going with that. But I know that everybody's into Dragon Quest XI right now, so I just want to just get the game over with, essentially. And um, that's that. So I'm about halfway through the main story right now, probably probably even a little bit more than that. And then, of course, there'll be some post-game content and whatnot, so we'll go from there. So let's go ahead and get this bad boy started. So first thing I wanted to talk about today was probably the topic of the show... Um, well, it's one of the topics of the show, and that is the fact that 
L.A. Noir is actually coming to the Switch, which I thought was really, really surprising. I did not expect that whatsoever, only because Rockstar, as far as I recall, didn't really release anything on the Wii U. They had a bunch of games on the Wii, but not the Wii U. And I may be mistaken with that, but I couldn't think of anything as I was putting the, uh, putting my own notes on the podcast here. And so that is a little bit surprising. But then I think about, I'm like, well, is it? The Switch is still sold out everywhere. You still can't really walk into many stores. I can't say all stores because I know some of you guys left comments saying, well, you can go to like, you know, some, some place in like your local town or whatever. And you can find, you know, all kinds of switches and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, it's not an easy thing to get a switch. It's almost like the, uh, SNES uh, Classic there. In the SNES Classic, there were some pre-orders that were available this past week, but yet again, I have been unable to secure one. They've just sold out absolutely instantly, and it's it's going to be brutal, and it's also been confirmed that it will not be made available in Quebec. I really don't understand why Nintendo would do that, because they clearly were the ones that uh, that made that conscious decision of not releasing it in Quebec, and I find that very, very ridiculous, if I'm being honest. So I don't really know what I'm going to do right now. Um, Cranberry and Ahmed both have secured me PAL versions of the uh, of the system, and hopefully that'll all pan out, and I'll be able to get that because then I'll be good to go. Because it won't matter. I don't it, like. I don't care about the shell. It's more about the games that I'm interested in, like Star Fox Two. I've never played that before. It'd be kind of cool. So, anyways, we'll see what happens with that. And I'm still really wondering what Nintendo is going to do about like the virtual console because I find it really, really odd. And if you don't know, uh, Miiverse is also pretty much done. They've canceled it for every platform that it was on. So it just seems weird. It seems like, you know, Nintendo was making some forward progress in a lot of these different areas, and now it's all starting to just dry up. And the virtual console being the biggest one of all, I really don't understand why that is not on the Switch. But getting back to topic here, where L.A. Noir coming to the Switch, that's actually a really big deal. That's actually a gargantuan deal. Having Rockstar release, you know, this game on the Switch, that's great. Now, does that mean Red Dead Redemption, uh, excuse me, Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to be on the Switch? I don't think so. But, does it mean that we could get a port of Grand Theft Auto 5? That, I might actually be able to see happening. The fact that, you know, we're getting a, a port of Skyrim, and still no one's confirmed which version of the game it's it's based on, but it seems that uh, it's actually going to be sort of like its own custom version of the game, which could be kind of neat. Hopefully it's not buggy. Um, and for L.A. Noir, same thing. Like, this could be really, really interesting. So I'm actually really surprised by that. And I'm wondering if uh, Rockstar is actually testing the waters of the Switch to see, like, how does it actually perform? Being able to play L.A. Noir on the go is actually kind of an enticing sort of sort of prospect to me i'm kind of like yeah that could be kind of cool but then again now i have a playstation 4 that's connected to my pc so i can play ps4 games now with relative ease i don't longer need the tv so now i'm like well i don't know anymore uh what i'll be gaming more on but right now it's dragon quest 11 all the time whenever i have some availability but i do find that very very interesting and i think it's going to be kind of cool to see 
what happens with that? So let me know what you think of that, of L.A. Noir coming to the Switch. Is this uh, is this good news? Well, it's not bad news. There's no way you could look at it as bad news. But do you see this as a potential sign that maybe Rockstar is going to do uh, some other things with the system? The other bit of news here is uh, isn't kind of an interesting one. It's a little bit of a big story, but I want to get into this for just a, for just a bit. And that is that FIFA 18 on the Switch, as you guys know, is missing a couple of features. We know that it's missing the story, uh, excuse me, the journey story mode. We know that that's been omitted. And what's interesting is that the game doesn't make use of the Frostbite engine. So it, it actually has its own custom engine that was built specifically for the Switch. And I, I find that interesting because was it truly customized for the Switch? Like, was it built from the ground up for this, the Switch? Or is this, like, say, like a last-gen sort of engine and they're kind of tweaking it and whatnot to make the game run on it? And the reason why I say this is because it seems like a lot of work for EA to create an engine from the ground up just for the Switch and then to only release FIFA on it. it just seems kind of weird to me. Um, and it's it's... I don't know. They're saying that the story mode, so journey mode, uh, relies heavily upon the Frostbite engine. And since the Frostbite engine doesn't run on Switch, well, that's the reason why they're not releasing that particular mode on the um, on the Switch. But then there's other stuff that's also missing. So Squad Battles and FIFA Ultimate Team Champions is missing. Ultimate Team is still there, but Ultimate Chi- Team Champions isn't. And what's really interesting is that one of the lead developers said the following. Every time we only have a year to do the game. So you have to be very careful about the choices that we make and the features that we want to put in. Because the date will not change. The date will not change in any way. If you look at the history of Ultimate Team on the likes of Sony or Microsoft, it's a seven-year history if I recall correctly. That player base has also been accustomed to it already and has been educated about it already, you know? So if you throw everything from the get-go to a completely new player base, you might not get the desired result. Even this, as is, might be too much. It's huge. So basically what he's saying is, in other words, since there's you know, only a year to build a game, it wasn't built on Frostbite, and this is a new console, well then, you know, people, they'll never have experienced any of these features, so they'll get overwhelmed, is essentially what he's saying. And sure, that might make sense if Nintendo fans were the only ones buying uh, a Switch. Like, if they didn't own a PS3 or an Xbox 360 or a PS4 and an Xbox One. But that's a really stupid comment to, to make, given that the chances are that Tons of people who own a Switch also own those other consoles or may even own a PS4 or Xbox One now. So it just seems very, very stupid to me to say something like that. It just it doesn't make any sense. And what's even more bizarre is that 2K's NBA 2K18 is on par with the other console versions. So there's really no excuse for EA to to say what they said like it just seems very like stretching shall we say i i don't think i don't think this really has much credence whatsoever it seems very 
I don't know. It seems like an EA thing to say. Now, granted, what they could have said is they could have said, like, look, guys, we only have a year to make the game, and we started with the Switch version quite late. And that's it. You know, if if that's legitimate, then then I would have been like, oh, okay, well, yeah, all right, it makes sense. I didn't have as much development time as the other versions, so that's why some of these features aren't in there. But to come up with, like, lame excuses to try and justify... Um, you know, omissions and stuff just seems really, really bizarre. And I'm kind of curious if any of you guys are even going to buy this version. And then that brings up a very interesting question because if the version, this version doesn't sell well, do you guys think that EA is basing their future support of the Switch based on this game? Much like what Rockstar is doing, but at least with what Rockstar is doing is it seems to be that, you know, for the most part, the game will be the same on all the different platforms. Yes, not going to run in 4K and all this jazz, but, I mean, for the most part, it does seem to be, you know, the PS4 and Xbox One version of L.A. Noir, sort of like L.A. Noir HD remix type of thing um, that will be coming to the Switch. So, I don't know. I uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like I said, well, I know how I feel about this. I don't like it. But I, I'm wondering about... EA actually releasing, um, you know, future games on the Switch. I I wouldn't really count on it very much if I were you guys because I just don't see this thing exploding off store shelves. But you never know. I mean, Switch has been quite the surprising little uh, little console lately. Like things are selling on it and selling rather well. So we we'll see. I've got a bunch of Pokemon stuff, of course, because Stephen put this together. So, I'll go through this quickly, because I know there's three of you that care. And I haven't played any of the metagame, really. Um, and this is what Steven keeps telling me. He's like, you gotta play this. You keep yelling at me for not playing Dragon Quest Eleven. Well, not Dragon Quest Eleven, but Dragon Quest post-game content. And he's like, well, you're the same for Pokemon. Damn you, you son of a... So, I'm like, okay, well, shut your face. Alright, so... The final four Mega Stones are going to be available for, uh, or are available actually, for Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, you gotta use the uh, code, it looks like it's a Drakey, it's D-R-A-C-H-E, and uh, you guys can get your hands on uh, the stones to Mega Evolve, oh boy, it's Latios, Lateus, or Lateus, uh, Ampharos, and Altaria. So there you go. If you go ahead and you enter D-R-A-C-H-E into the code for the uh, download feature stuff, you'll be able to get those uh, those Mega Stones. So make sure you go ahead and do that. Uh, the Mystical Pokemon uh, Marshadow is going to be available at GameStop starting October 9th, which will go till October 23rd. And it's the only fighting ghost dual type in the whole game. And it's also going to come with an exclusive Z crystal. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Uh, what is it? Uh, Ash Hat Pikachu is also available at the end of the month via Mystery Gift. So that's pretty cool. A lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff happening there. And it's true that everybody's got to keep their eyes open here because Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon are going to be coming out before you know it. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news in the coming weeks leading up to the game's, uh, release date, which I believe I didn't write it down, but I think it's in November, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, also, Pokemon Gold and Silver are out on, uh, I was going to say October, September 22nd on the 3DS, which happens to be the same day that Pokemon Tournament hits the Switch, and the Switch will also get that uh, controller there, that D-pad controller that was on the Wii U. They're going to be bringing that to the Switch, a nice Switch version. Now, I also had some news on the Pokemon Company's CEO. I uh, forget how he pronounces this. I think it's Tsunu... What would it be? It'd be Tsunu... 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 No, it's not Tsunu. It's Ne. So it'd be Tsune Kazu Ishihara uh, has said that uh, he originally told Nintendo that the Switch wouldn't be a success. And here, I'm quoting him here, and I thought this was really, really interesting. I told Nintendo that the Switch wouldn't be a success before it went on sale because I thought that in an age of smartphones, no one would want to carry around a game console. It's obvious I was wrong. Well, that is interesting. And it's not so much that he was wrong. I think he's right. It's, I think this, this hybrid console thing is something that Nintendo should have done years ago. And it's something that we've, we've spoken about for a long time that, you know, especially last gen, especially with the Wii U, that felt like a real missed opportunity. And I understand that the technology wasn't necessarily there, but it did feel like a missed opportunity because the Wii was really, the Wii U rather, was a, a really compelling system. And if you would have been able to take that gamepad into at least other rooms, like, you know, like leave, leave one room and be able to go say like upstairs or somewhere else or something like that, I think that would have been really, really interesting. But whatever. It didn't, uh, it didn't happen. And why I say, you know, that I, I don't think that he was necessarily wrong. People have their, their smartphones, but I mean, in the Japanese culture, yeah, everybody's gaming on smartphones. But over here, we really like to have that tactile feedback. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, even in North America and in Europe, uh, cell phones, smartphone games, they're all over the place. I mean, they're crazy. It's absolutely insane. Every time I'm in the metro or the bus or whatever, I see people playing on their little games all over the damn place. But there's something to be said about the Switch. It really is a very, very interesting platform. And I thought that was a really neat quote from the CEO of the Pokemon company, given the history and how close the two companies are together. I thought that was fascinating that he would have had some sort of meeting or something with some of the top brass at Nintendo saying that, you know, guys, this this isn't going to be successful. Like, why is anyone going to carry around another platform when you have mobile? Like, it's stupid. Like, what are you thinking? And I wonder if he, given that, that mind frame, if he would have been like, you know, maybe... The next Pokemon guys should be a mobile game, you know, like maybe we should make the next Pokemon um, uh, like Pokemon, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, blah, uh, make that a, uh, a mobile only release. Because if just given his his statements here, it seems very, very interesting. But whatever the case may be, we know that Pokemon will be heading to the switch. We're going to have a legit Pokemon on the Switch. And I find that very, very, very fascinating because having gotten into the Pokemon uh, series, you know, relatively recently, like last year or whenever it was, it's going to be neat to see how the game plays sort of like back in the Game Boy days because that's what we're going back to. 
we're going back to the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance days, because ever since the DS, you have had two screens, and those two screens have been quite useful for things like maps and some management stuff and, and so on. So it's going to be interesting to go back to the way it was where you only had a single screen. And I'm wondering how uh, like a hardcore fan like uh, Steven is going to actually take that. He might look at it like from a gameplay perspective, it's now actually like a step behind some of the previous releases. But in the in the meantime, we have Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon to look forward to, which I am looking forward to. I actually don't have very many games uh, set for uh, release for the remainder of the year. I only have a couple of things I'm interested in. I'm playing through Dragon Quest Eleven now. I have Uncharted, La- uh, what is the last L- Legacy? Lost Legacy or something like that. Um, and then there's really not too, too much that I have on my official pre-order list. I've got Metroid. And I've got um, I've got the Pokemon games, and there's really not much else. So it's going to be interesting, and I'm looking forward to that. So next topic that we've got is uh, to do with it has to do with indie games, and basically asking whether or not Nintendo is is doing enough for the indie community now. There's this whole thing that just happened where it was like Nintendo loves indies or something. I forget what they actually called it. Um, and that's all fine and dandy. And yeah, they're trying to get more and more indies on their platforms. But I'm talking about more once they're, once a game is on their platform, are they doing enough to sort of like hype it up? And this is interesting because a game called Chicken Wiggle, and I know Chicken Wiggle, I, you know, yeah. Uh, it sold rather poorly on the 3DS. And what was interesting is that the developer said that on the day of its launch, it wasn't even on the first page of the 3DS eShop. And that is interesting. Um, now, granted, I don't know how many releases uh, the eShop gets every week, but I'm fairly confident that it's not like 45 games a week are getting released on there. At least I sure hope not. And in which case, if it isn't like a ridiculous amount of games getting released, then why why aren't more... Um, why isn't more of an effort being made on Nintendo's part to highlight these games that they they have? And that's that's an interesting thing, and I don't really have an answer to that. I'm very curious to see what happens moving forward. Because even some of these, these uh, Neo Geo releases that I've been covering as of late, it's not that great uh, to see, like, they basically tell you, oh, this is what was released today, and that's it. And it's like, you know, for like Garou, uh, Mark of the Wolves, that should have been hyped like crazy, man. I would have, I would have had, you know, like uh, maybe some comments or or from like old reviews, like one of the greatest fighters ever made when it was released, things like that. But it just, I don't know. I find this is, like a lot of people are guilty of this, Sony and Microsoft too, where they just don't do enough to really highlight some of these games. Now, I don't know whether or not Chicken Wiggle is is worthy of all that. However. Not even being on the front page on this week of release, there's something wrong there. there. There's clearly something wrong there. So last topic for today we have is basically a question that Stephen posed to me, which was, do I think that The Legend of Zelda will get another title on the Switch? And if so, will it be a classic Zelda or will it be another Breath of the Wild formula? Well, the truth is, I don't think we're going to see a classic Zelda 
for the foreseeable future unless it's on the 3DS. And I doubt we're going to get another Zelda on the 3DS. But if Nintendo releases another dedicated portable that falls in line with the uh, 3DS, DS, 2DS, whatever family, in other words, like a dual screen system, um, then I would say, yeah, maybe there you'll get your classic Zelda, you know, you get a dungeon, get a weapon, use that weapon, move to the next area and so on and so forth. But I'm, I'm thinking more that like for the big console releases, I think the next one will be very similar to Breath of the Wild in terms of structure. I wouldn't be surprised if they hired, you know, better voice actors, maybe started to emphasize a little bit more on story, just given some of the feedback that they received, um, from Breath of the Wild. Now, whether or not that shows up on Switch, I could see it showing up on Switch as a very late release, uh, because those sorts of games take at least, like, you know, four years to make. And it would really, it would really depend. But I, I think so. I think we will see another release on the Switch. I just think that it's going to be a very late release. And if so long, not if, but so long as the, um, the Switch continues to sell well, then, then it, could remain a Switch exclusive instead of appearing on whatever the next platform is that Nintendo makes. Now, I'm not done. I actually have a couple other things I wanted to discuss before wrapping this up. It won't be the longest podcast, obviously, because I'm all by myself, so we're not having a back and forth. Uh, but I did have some Amiibo news. And it's not really news. It's more that the Metroid 2-pack was put on pre-order again this week uh, from GameStop, and it sold out in minutes. And I was so disappointed because I wanted to get that that double pack uh, for use with Metroid Return of Samus, which hits on September 15th. But alas, I could not do it. I have just not been having luck with pre-ordering anything as of late. It's been really, really annoying. But uh, I really want to get my hands on uh, on that two-pack. It looks really, really cool. So, blast from the past time. Well, there was something that happened last week, actually, I think it was, or the week before, where a brand new Super Nintendo reproduction cartridge was announced. But what made this one special, well, for two reasons. Number one was a disclaimer that it could set your whole universe on fire. Um, which actually makes sense. I don't know why people were blowing this so out of proportion. They're like, oh my God, you're going to buy a SNES game and look, it's warning you that it could blow up your house and kill your family and everything else. But the reality is that uh, I am 8-bit and Capcom can't control the status of your Super Nintendo. Like, let's be honest. If you're, if you're playing on a SNES that you haven't used in like almost 30 years, there's a very good chance that the thing could short, it could catch fire, it could, you know, it could do a million different things. But if you have a well-kept Super Nintendo, you'll be fine. They're just doing this for legal purposes to protect themselves. So, yeah, IM8-Bit and Capcom are teaming up together to release, or uh, rather, re-release Street Fighter II The World Warrior on SNES cartridge. There's 5,500 uh, copies made. I think it was 4,500 are going to be in red and then a thousand or 1,500, something like that are going to be in a, uh, like a, a glow in the dark green. It's supposed to represent uh, Ryu's headband and Blanca. It's like skin color. So I thought that was kind of, kind of cool. To be really honest, I thought that was actually very cool because why this is kind of like a big deal is that this is kind of the first of its kind that I can think of anyway, where Capcom itself is officially sponsoring this. This isn't like, you know, 
This isn't like uh, just some reproduction cartridge. This is the actual game company that made the game is working with IM8-Bit to release this. And IM8-Bit actually just started a whole new legacy lineup, uh, which they'll say they'll have more releases in the future. And I'm really interested if they're going to start re-releasing some really old or hard-to-come-by Super Nintendo games. That could actually be quite a lucrative market so long as you know you have really small print runs and things like that it could be very very interesting and you could have a lot of companies like your retron fives and stuff like that really starting to sell some some you know some systems out of this if they're like well hey man you know you can get say demon's crown now uh or demon's crest or whatever the hell it was called like you can get it for whatever the the their asking price is now that was one of the biggest problems that i had with this was the fact that the asking price was 99 US dollars. And I was like, yowzer, man. You can go on eBay today and get a complete inbox copy of Street Fighter II The World Warrior for not that much, you know, like 60 bucks, something like that, because there's so many that were sold. It's it's not a hard-to-come-by game. But yeah, so my blast from the past today I thought would be cute was to actually talk about Street Fighter II itself. Uh, just because what an amazing coincidence that, you know, they released this sort of pre-order for, for this special 30th anniversary edition. And I, it just took me back and I've got a guy at work. His name's Sarah. And he's been, he's been talking so much about fighters as of late. He's been playing fighters. I bought him a, an arcade stick. He's been having a really, really good time. And his brother Tegan, the two of them have been really getting into fighters, like really going down the rabbit's hole, as I say. And I've been giving them tips and tricks on different things to watch and learn and, and so on and so forth. And they're both really into Guilty Gear, which is cool and all. But I was telling them that, you know, back in my day, it was Street Fighter 2, man. Street Fighter 2 was really where it was at for all of us guys back then. I mean... Yes, the SNK fighters were great and they were, they were something, you know, for you to do while you, you didn't, well, not while, but when you didn't want to uh, wait in line to play Street Fighter 2. But Street Fighter 2 really was the game that introduced the masses to, to fighters. It really, really was. And it's unbelievable how well that game has held up all these years later. You can feel its legacy in every single fighting game that has been released since Street Fighter 2. And like I said, I'm not going to get into the whole thing with Fatal Fury and all that jazz. Just just going back and playing that today is really something, and it deserves to be re-released on all the modern-day platforms. Yes, we got Ultra Street Fighter 2 on the Switch, which was fine and all, but again, you know, for the money and everything, this should have been... Like, they should have Street Fighter 2 30th Anniversary Edition. That. Just call it that. No Super, no Hyper, no Turbo, no whatever. Just Street Fighter 2 the 30th Anniversary Edition and release it on every single platform that you can think of from 3DS to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and Switch and cell phone and whatever. 
just because it is a monument in 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 game design it's it's a monumental game and it deserves to be played by the masses and it should be available on every platform under the sun because it holds up it holds up ridiculously well and of course it was refined and got better and so on and so forth but just go back and play the original and you get an idea of why I was, you know, staying in the uh, arcades for as many hours as I was. It's just a masterpiece. It really is. And the characters, all of them that were featured in that original game have gone on to become like superstars of the video game world, have been featured in other games, and they're still in fighting games today, all these years later, 30 years later. And, you know, here we are. So, guys, that's pretty much it for today. I hope you enjoyed. I know it's a little bit, like I said, of a of a shorter podcast, but you can blame Stephen for that. Everything is his fault. He's the real monster at COE. All right, guys, you all take care of yourself. And uh, for those of you that happen to be in Hurricane, uh, you know, uh, well, I was going to say Hurricane Valley, but any of you that are are listening to this that are in any of the sort of danger zones, just just be careful. Uh, stay locked down there. You know, stay safe and uh, stay dry. Take care, everyone. I'll see you next time.